There we go. We are recording uh, because tonight I am joined by the one and only Noah Johnson. We're recording. We're not actually live tonight on Facebook like we usually are because Noah is in the future. Uh, he's I'm in, I live in the future. I can tell you guys some secrets. You want nine know? hours ahead, I believe. Um, yeah, nine hours ahead. So it's enough to see into what really matters. <laughs> and then we're also here with the one and only newly married back from his honeymoon, Jeffrey Odell Bonesaw Barnett. Woo! How was it? All right. It was awesome. A lot of driving, man. We went to Montana, Washington, all that. So it was, it was really fun, man. It was really awesome. I recommend Montana to anybody that loves the outdoors. It's, it's beautiful. You're a little soft spoken right now. You're a little quiet, bro. I, was it the whitewater rafting? He was telling me earlier today he went whitewater rafting on his honeymoon. Who does that? Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> we almost didn't do it, but we we had to backtrack a little bit and we did it. And it's like our new, you know, like how you come into marriage with with like your own hobbies, but then you kind of come up with a hobby together. So it's like our new hobby together. And we want to we want to we want to do it more. So we want to. Rafting. My hobby and my honeymoon was sling on the beach and chilling out. <laughs> that was what we did. There's a, there's an interesting story about Noah uh, on his honeymoon. Something he lost. You were in. Uh, you went through Bulgaria. like Bulgaria. You were in Bulgaria, right? When this happened, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't remember. I didn't forget that one. Yeah. Can you can you fill the people in about about your story in Bulgaria on the beach? Yeah. So. Um, my wife, she was taking a nap and I'm like, we're on this, we're in this like four star hotel and it's just like a, a, a rock throw to the beach. And so I go there, I'm swimming around and I had this like Lord of the Rings moment where I went to go swimming and all of a sudden my ring just flew right off my finger and I was like, oh my gosh. And I started swimming down to get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. And I couldn't find it. Didn't have goggles, nothing. I couldn't get it. And it caused a little bit of a conflict between my, my brand new wife and myself. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was and then, like, experience. then some uh, hobbit came across it and the rest is history, right? Well, I was hoping, yeah, the hobbit find it and then, um, well, I, I don't know, take the soaring or something, but at least he could have brought it back to me. <laughs> the best. It would have saved me a little bit of trouble and about 400 bucks. But <laughs> wow, man. It was diamond plated, I believe, right? If, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, of course, you know, only the best, only the best. That's how the missionary lives. He was before, so. Yeah. Uh, it happened to me, actually, when I was swimming. I don't know if it's the cold water or something, but like my, I felt my ring was just, even though it's just silicone, you know, I used the stretchy one. I was like, I was just surprised, you know, how swimming, you know, I guess that's the danger. Guard it, Jeff. Guard it with your life, that's what I say. <laughs> Well, here we are, uh, Wednesday night. Uh, it's actually for us, it's Tuesday. Uh, for Noah, it's Tuesday late evening. night, uh, yeah. evening. Um, but we're here and we're talking about missions. This is the, our month of missions, nights of missions. Last week, we hung out with Cameron Custance, who's actually uh, doing ministry in Nepal. He and his wife, Lisa, and they're actually in Kona, Hawaii right now because they had to get out of town when the whole COVID thing was, was shutting down. They had a 13-day-old baby that they had to rush out of 
of Nepal and, and uh, they're at the YWAM base in, in Kona, Hawaii. And here we are tonight with Noah. The kids are asleep. Lucy's probably just recovering from everything. And here you are Thank yeah. you for joining us. Um, first up, I want to talk about like, uh, I, where is Slovakia? And so I, I've got a, we did this last week. Um, Google maps is, or Google earth pro actually. I don't know if you guys uh -huh. can see this, but, um, you're actually in Lucian. Oh, you're actually in Lutrinets, Slovakia, and here we are yep. in uh, sunny Southern California, full of smoke right now. But here we go. We're going to go all the way across the world to Lutrinets, Slovakia, formerly known as the Czech uh, Czechoslovakia. Here you are, Czechoslovakia, Czechoslovakia. Um, just and before that, Loschon is easy for Hungary too. So, so yeah, here, here's Hungary. Uh, here's the Czech Republic. Here's Slovakia. Um, Poland. We remember we drove up to Poland at one time. We went to Austria. Yeah. So Barnett and I uh, have spent a lot of time with Noah in Slovakia, right here. You're in you're in Lucinets now. Um, there, it's funny. There's like it says there's like an airport right here, but <laughs> that's uh not quite uh LAX or. Well, it's not. Yeah, there is an airport there. I don't know if you use it, but there's there's definitely an air. There is an airport there. Yeah. Look at this. This is the heart of Lucianets. And you are like over this way, right? Yeah. Like right here, huh? Yeah, that's, that's basically around our street, yeah. Wow, dude. Look at that. Right here. Yeah? Somewhere Not quite, there. but close. Close, yeah. In there somewhere. But you're originally from Scottsdale, right? Yeah, Scottsdale, Arizona. So, or in Omaha, Nebraska, moved to Scottsdale, Arizona when I was about eight years old. So you moved from like here to yep. all the way across the world to Slovakia. What? what it, that's Africa right there. <laughs> but here's Slovakia down in here. Like why in the world, I could do this all day, but why, why in the world are you <laughs> in Slovakia? What led you to start ministry there? Um, it's a good question. It's a kind of a, it's a longer story. So I, I grew up, my, my parents were first generation believers. Um, uh, so they, my dad accepted the Lord when he was 26 after being dragged to an Easter service he didn't want to go to and found himself on a park bench, like listening to what the sermon had told him before. And he's like, the pastor was like, you probably feel this hole in your heart and you're sitting on this bench going, actually, I kind of do. And like, you probably want to be filled. He's like, yeah, I think I kind of wanted to be filled. And it's only Jesus said, okay, I'll be with Jesus. So he did that and came home a changed man. And at first my mom kind of liked it. And then this just tells us, and then she got kind of freaked out when like, he like wanted to go to church every Sunday and like read his Bible every night. Um, she always figured she's a really good person and she didn't really, God obviously loved her because she was really good and really nice. And that was kind of extreme. And then, she also became a believer and they were had a real big heart for missions in the very beginning. They want to be missionaries, but then they also had six kids, which doesn't always work when you want to travel overseas to have so many kids and keep having them. And so they stayed in the States and but they always had missionaries over. When we were growing up as kids before school, we my mom pulled these prayer cards. These different missionaries from our church, different places. We prayed for them and we like get updates, how they were doing, write them letters, stuff like that. 
And so my house, there was this kind of a culture of missions is important, um, really open those kinds of things. I mean, I had every benefit of growing up in a Christian home, but I, as I know, the Lord's got to work on each heart individually as they need to hear it. And at first I didn't quite get it and I rejected it. Um, lived in rebellion during my teen years, up into my twenties. And, um, it's about 20 when I basically told the Lord, like, I finally accept the reality that he actually runs everything and said, I don't, I'm not only going to give my, my heart to Jesus, but I'm going to give my life. And, um, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm done trying to figure it out by myself. And that summer after that, that was like in probably February and the summer coming up, um, had two different people approach me for an opportunity to serve during the summer for a short term strip. One guy came to me, he's like, Hey, we're taking like 200 students to Spain. We're going to this big tour. You can play guitar. We're going to be in the beach. It's going to be sweet. You don't even have to try out. I'm like, that sounds pretty cool. And then my mom came to me and she had been leading, um, a small group. Well, here's how she started. So I backtrack a little bit. She wanted this training with the church and how to lead a small or a short term mission trip. And she went through the training and they had a board, these places that are asking for teams. And one was Slovakia. And she saw they've been asking for a team for like five or six years and nobody went there. My mom's like, I don't know where that is, but I'm going there because nobody's going there. I guess my mom, you know, and so she's like, I'm going, I don't care. And so she had gone for a couple of years before through women's ministry. And she's like, Noah, there's like nine or eight of us women going. Um, we're working with teenage boys and all this kind of stuff. We need men. And I'm like, okay, well, if I like line them up, I know which one actually has a bigger need. But I'm like, I'm not going to go on a trip with the nine women by myself. So I dragged my best friend, John, with me. <laughs> I wasn't going to do that. And um, so I went on this trip not really knowing where Slovakia was. I didn't know anything about it. I never, other than Mexico, I'd never been out of the country before. And just wanting to serve, be helpful, do whatever I could. And my experience the whole time was just unreal. And I remember finding my place, like this one camp I was in, this place called Rasko Delina, where I saw the Lord was opening my eyes saying, hey, like, if you want to be a part of what I'm doing here, I have a place for you. And I didn't really know what that was. I'm like, okay, like, if that's what you want from me, then I'll do it. And I remember I came back and I told my pastors and missions guys, I'm like, I think I'm supposed to go to Slovakia. And they're like... Yeah, everybody says that after they come back from a small term trip, you know, it's like the flu, you get it, it just goes away. But for me, it's never did. And so I just spent, that's when I was like 20, and I spent the next four years working, and I kept coming back, and kept coming back, and kept coming back. And eventually at 24, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to move for a year. And I know what I'm going to do because I drove a truck for Sherman Williams paint company. I had a small little Bible study in a village in or talking about parables, but I like, you know, I've been dropped out and kicked out of college like twice by then. Like I had nothing going on in my life. Like nobody would choose me. Like, Hey, it's going to be a guy you really want to accept and come work with you, the people. But I just felt the guy wanted me to be here. Or he just had a place for me. I'll say he had a place for me. 
that's how I ended up here. So I showed up with two suitcases in 2004 and I haven't left since. <laughs> I love it. And uh, there's so many cool stops along the way and stories to be had. And I was like the ultimate storyteller. I remember Barnett and I went out um, one summer and we would just sit in this real small room. There's a light bulb in the center of the room. That was it. That was the only lighting. And yeah. we just sit there for hours from like nine o'clock PM after we've been working all day doing stuff to like three in the morning, just talking and sharing stories and listening to Noah. And we'd read books and it was just amazing time. By the end of the, the night, all the moths and all the bugs would you know <laughs> pile on the floor dead um, after having been just uh obliterated by the light but uh, <laughs> i, I want to address a couple of things that uh that we need to fill in the story a little bit like you married a slovak national I, i'm going to show um show you uh her picture i'm going to share the screen we've got uh here knights of mission slovakia we've got lucy right here and matush uh and uh the beautiful little lily and look at yep. this beard what this is just amazing uh, Barnett, have you ever seen Noah without a beard? I don't think I've seen Noah without a beard. Maybe one of his younger pictures, but I think you've always had a facial hair, right? You've always had a goatee, at least, or something. Since I was since I was born. <laughs> yeah. No. Does Matush have a beard yet? We shave it because it would scare out the freaks a little bit, you know. So we gotta. Well, I just kind of want to know what a couple of things are going on here. What, what is happening here in this picture? <laughs> this was a memory from like, uh, I don't know, four years ago or something like that. Years, a couple oh, 11 years ago, actually. 11 but, years um, ago. Yeah. What's going on here? That is a Zabiachka, as they say in Slovak, a Zabiachka, which is translated roughly as a pig slaughter. Um, Lucy's family, they kept pigs, and every year, Usually like one or at least two pigs, and we would we would slaughter them every year. And um, this is that's the process: slot, you kill it, you, you clean it, and that's the clean version right there. I'm laying on top of, and that's when you start cutting them up. And that's when you do you know bacon and all your cuts of meat and kolbas, everything. So I've done that. I don't know how many times every yeah. year for for a long time. We've been doing that. And, and <laughs> it's Barnett, a fun you process. Barnett, you've been to one of these, right? I've been to one, yeah. And people always, you know, they always ask you, like, man, like, when you go to one, do you, like, never want to eat meat again? And I was like, no, it was it was awesome. You know, of course, you feel bad for the animal, but there's also an appreciation, you know, when you're connected so closely. Many Americans today, we're not connected to our food source. We don't know where it comes from. And so we don't have an appreciation for the life of that animal and how it lived. And, you know, I'm sure this animal lived a lot better life than, than the way animals are raised here, you know, because we're, they're raised in uh, concentrated animal feeding operations. And, and so it's a lot healthier kind of meat. And it's definitely an experience. I recommend everyone go to one. <laughs> everyone go to a pig slaughter. <laughs> so. Well, this one too, I mean, like, I don't know how many details I should get into with this, but it's like, so this is Lucy's grandparents' house, and they would have the pig, and they 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 love the pig. They take care of the pig. Um, you never name the pig because it's food. You can't you can't name the animal. But um, so you can imagine, there's like five of us, five or six of us grown men, 
we're sitting like you, like right, right where that wall is in the back. We're standing right there. And some of us got ropes because you got to catch the feet. And we're waiting for the shot. We're waiting for knowing the pig is hit. And when the pig is hit, we run across the wall. We jump into the sty. We have no idea how the pig's going to be laying. And the trick is, because this is, this is the respectful part, is when a pig dies, it's kind of similar to like a fish. It's going to kind of flail. And when it does that, it can actually damage its own meat. And so the, the, what your goal is, is to keep the pig still as much as you can and hold it down so that you can't, so it doesn't ruin itself, basically. And so a couple more than once, I found myself standing on top of a pig that almost surfing it, like trying to hold it down just to make sure that uh, it doesn't kick anybody, break the leg or something like that. It's, 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 I don't know if this is appropriate for California, but it, it's it's a very interesting experience, actually. But these, what Jeff is saying is true. There is actually, I mean, nobody enjoys the killing, and it's not like celebrated, and everybody understands the life is taken. But there is definitely respect for the animal, and then and everything we here we use everything. I mean, everything is used. So, so many, so many, uh, you know, parallels here to the Old Testament sacrificial system, but. Uh, I mean, more than people ever wanted to know about pig sacrificing, or I mean, uh, pig <laughs> slaughtering. Uh, it's not a sacrifice. Not a sacrifice, it's <laughs> slaughter. Sorry. Well, what's going on here? Was this uh, modeling days, or uh, we were trying to give people a picture of the real Noah Johnson? <laughs> yeah, this is when um, the Strands, otherwise known as Jeff and Jeremy and the guy Sam were staying with me. And I was going to preach in this village um, church and there's these fields open up and we were just like talking about the movie Gladiator and walking through the fields right. in that scene. And so yeah, I think I think there's actually more. Yeah. I don't I know, know if you're gonna show them or not, but that's, right it wasn't the only one doing it. <laughs> but <laughs> you kind of sound like Russell Crowe. Yeah. Australian accent, but you you could be Crow Scannon. And then the yeah. last one. The last one I want to show is what what is going on in this picture here? <laughs> oh my gosh, these pictures still exist. That's what's that's what's scary about the internet. Is this how you do um, ministry in Slovakia right here? Yeah. That's me. Um <laughs> submitting to my authority. That's this was a biblical leadership training right here. It's initiation, you know. <laughs> this is Jeff Barnett right here, by the way. <laughs> uh, this was. You don't even have to explain this. I wouldn't even try. Don't don't even worry. About <laughs> I'm trying that. to remember what led to that picture. I don't oh remember that either. That's funny. We were just goofing around. I think. Why? No, I think it was. It had something to do with three hundred a little bit. If I yeah. Remember right. But, oh, yeah. This is what happens, everybody, when you don't have cable television. Or the internet, really. Our internet. We had no idea. Internet. Like you gotta make something. You gotta have fun. And, yeah. You only chop wood for so long. That's right. Barnett, you want to move us along here with our uh, our discussion here? Yeah, I I know some people would maybe maybe you can talk about. Uh, yeah, we kind of talked about why you're there, but what exactly you do there, and and maybe you can provide like a little history. I know you've done a lot of things. You've kind of had. That had a lot of different. You're kind of like odd job from 007. You've had a lot of different jobs there, and and fill us in what you're doing now, or I guess uh, that, that'll come a little bit later. But kind of give us a little history of kind of what what kind of things you did there. Okay, so when I first showed up, um, like I said, I really didn't know what I was even really good at. So 
Um, I got a job teaching English in one high school. It was an economic academy. And so I was teaching English there, like business English and things like that. And also working in English in different towns, as well as um, I essentially threw myself into like ministry work. Like, I mean, everything from, from Sunday school to AA, like you would find me just wanting to be involved, wanting to be there, wanting to be present, trying to learn as much as I could. I remember I had a pastor call me once and asked me like, you know, you thought about preaching? And I was like, no, I never thought about it before. And he's like, well, maybe you should because I need you to do it. And it was like, that was like my training. Like, I mean, it was like, you're preaching three weeks from now. Like I never preached before. Oh, I'll figure it out and just like push. Bible study just like, I mean, it just kind of threw me into this thing. And I'm really grateful for a lot of that because it really did train me. It's like a boot camp, you know, it's kind of like you're in it. You get, you got, just got to do it. You got to figure it out. And obviously God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus were guiding me and digging through it. And I always say though, probably for the longest time through everything I've ever done, relational ministry has always been for me, like the key. I think Jeff and Jeremy can attest to that. Like I just always love spending time with people, like just going to people's houses, eating food. Um, I remember one time going with Jeff and Jeremy, this, this, this Roma family invited center gypsy, if those are Roma means. Um, and like they put this table out, all this bread they made for us. And I'm looking at the guys like, you're going to eat everything on that plate. Yep. And like, well, I'm not so hungry, man. I don't care. You're eating everything because we're going to be hospitable. They're being hospitable. We're going to be kind. We're going to eat everything. We're going to talk to them. We're going to, whatever they put in front of us to drink, we're going to drink. Whatever they put in front of us to eat, we're going to eat. And we're going to be happy about it because this is a big deal. And so we just, I just spent a lot of time with people. Um, this is what, how much I could. I either, it was teaching in schools, um, English or doing private lessons to playing foosball in pubs or going and getting, um, so like Coca-Cola, which is Coca-Cola or beer, whatever it was, just spending time with people. Um, and th- the process has kind of kept changing where I have been in a different town about Kikitish where um, we started doing like this tea house ministry where I started running that and found myself in that kind of a place. But again, it was always a focus on people. People always matter the most. And we started this thing called the Gabe House, which was every person's creating the image of God. They're all valued. They're all loved. They're all equal in this place. Racism does not exist. Sexism does not exist. We don't make fun of people. We accept and love people. You got a problem with that. You don't need to be here. Kind of attitude. And um, the Lord just kept growing that where I ended up finding myself in like a church planning pastor position that I never planned on. just kind of happened. And um, then I ended up on the later, a couple of years later, an elder board and assistant pastor position. Like I just keep finding myself in these things just keep kind of happening to me where the Lord just keeps moving me in different positions. And so, yeah, I've, I've kind of run the gambit of different ministries all over the place where I've done everything from English camps, summer camp ministries, winter camp ministries, youth ministries, um, Roman ministry. I mean, I don't, everything I've been, I've been around. around. So. And then right now you're, you're currently, um, I mean, this kind of moves on to our next question about like the best, most recent story is that COVID-19 hasn't really hit. Uh, Slovakia as it has in uh, a lot of other areas. And so like, I know the idea of, of church planting, um, you know, you, you starting church plant, um, in Slovakia was kind of halted by, by some of the government at the beginning 
of trying to just do virtual church on Easter and everything. But like right now you guys are like, what's, what's your best, most recent story on like the church that is actually forming, even if you don't, you know, even if we don't call it church, the gathering of people that is happening in your, in your backyard right now. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's great. That's um, like the reality was when, when COVID like we saw it here in Europe, I think a little bit quicker because what was happening in Italy, we paid a, a lot of attention and most of the other rest of Europe is like, we don't want what happened in Italy to happen to us. And so things got here, got really strict pretty fast. And almost most people like this overreacting. It was like over Easter weekend, for example, they, they told us we can't basically leave our houses. You know, we had to stay home. And like the government's going to track your phones. If you leave your house, you get in trouble like that. It was like that strict. That's how they hammered down on us. And I'm thinking like, you know, dang it. Like I want to play in church. I want to be with people. I can't be with people. Like what am I supposed to do? And, but by God's grace, it seemed like that really worked for us because since then it's been slowly, everything's been opening up and we have, and we have to still wear masks and keep distance when we go to stores or, in indoors and things like that but everything else is pretty much free the government's not regulating it and so we just said we're going to jump in this opportunity and since like the end of june we're just inviting families and friends to come into our yard and we'll just eat talk have conversations and our kids will play together and it's been great um like the last it was actually saturday saturday we had about 20 people over our house um four new people came um always conversations happen spiritual conversation always happens there we, we get like a you know we get like a my friend dano actually he could cook like an italian dinner for us so i had squid and squid ink with spaghetti and <laughs> um, <laughs> all this kind of different food and nobody cares it's just fun we're eating it and we get a keg of beer and guys are drinking beer and the kids are playing in the yard and it's just like this whole thing's just happening and one of the new guys came he's like this is a really great community you got going on here like who would guess like somewhere in our town like just some guy's backyard is just full of all these people where it just seems to be so free and light and one of the other guys after the party is just like thank you no for keep doing this i, I see what you're doing and i know why you're doing it and i really appreciate it a lot that you're so willing to do this and one of the guys she was telling me is like get have a conversation about what you believe because i just i know you for a while now i keep seeing what you're doing i just respect it and i i want to and i know it's what you believe is causing you to do this and i want to know what that is yeah and so we're seeing this this great response of just people just opening up to a table of grace and wanting to be together finally no masks and just it's enjoying company together and there's not like a program we're not trying to force anything on anybody but the lord's present and he's opening up doors for us in ways we could ever imagine where two weeks ago we got invited to this guy's 40th birthday party and there's other 30 people i never met before and i'm having talking with them and like oh you're from america i'm like yeah I'm like how'd you come here so Jesus comes out, Bible comes out, church comes out, and they're all open and talking about it. And then this other guy's like, "Hey, I'm getting married. I've been with my with my um, my woman for ten years now, and we have two kids. We're going to get married. So you guys got to come to the party." And we're like, "Yeah, we're coming. We're definitely coming." And so we're just seeing the, the Lord has opened up this great, great opportunities 
Um, and when you're seeing like even overlapping things, like I point out, like some things I've done in the past, this also includes like uh, my wife, Lucia, where um, there was this guy I worked with about four years ago. Um, came in a broken home, kind of rough past, accepted the Lord and would work with them and then kind of just wandered away. And most people just wrote him off and the church actually dropped him from the roster and things like that. I'm like, can't, don't, don't write this guy off. He still sees Jesus. And um, he actually ended up in a bar with some of my buddies in the bar. And hearing him speaking, he's like, do you guys know Noah? I'm like, yeah, we know Noah. And he's like, where do you know him from? From church? And they're like, no, we um, we know Noah, respect Noah, but we don't believe in his God. And he kept talking to him. My friend at the time, he had to understand he's he's on a like methamphetamines, like strung out. And they're like, dude, they're talking to him like we. He looks like you need help. We want to help you. And he's like, you want to help me? It's like, you guys don't believe in Jesus. How can you help me? <laughs> it's like, I used to like Noah who believes in Jesus. I need somebody like that. That's who needs to help me. <laughs> like I'm thinking this dude strung out of his mind still understands he needs Jesus. And it was um, about four or five days later that um he found himself somebody brought him into a church service people prayed for him and he's like i'm gonna clean up my life and we didn't know about it and then we found out later and we're like dude yeah let's do this and then my wife lucy she has a background in social work is what she studies she's a master's degree in it she knows people in the city and she has this network and she understands all that stuff so she's like calling everywhere in the whole country like how can we get him into detox how can we get him into rehab where 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 this kind of stuff and um and in the end um it was friday we're like this guy stays at war weekend we're not we're not sure what he's gonna do that the lord opened up an opportunity through lucy and his other people figured it out and they had coffee with him before they took him off to a detox place and just talked to him the other day and i'm sorry i was like somebody else was talking to him saying how like at the hospital they're saying he's just he's the greatest patient they've ever had there's something different about him it's so great and i'm just seeing like the Lord is working all around us in all these different cases. And it's this pretty neat opportunity to be a part of his life. Then to see him, you know, step back and see how the Lord just brings him right back. And I kept telling him, dude, after you go through it, after you go through detox and rehab, we got a place for you. We got a place for the table, man. Come back home and we'll love you. Just like we loved you then. It's like we love you now. <laughs> love it and i i love what you're uh what you're saying here and just the the heart behind it a couple weeks ago i spoke about uh second samuel 7 and the building of the temple with david and how he, he may have had ulterior motives for desiring to build the temple um for himself or for his own glory and and we got into discussion in our community groups about how like not all ulterior motives are, are necessarily bad, but when I hear you talk about the church in your backyard, it's it doesn't sound like ulterior motives. Like, hey, I'm I'm loving these people so that they become, you know, what I want them to become, and, and a part of my church, tithing members or whatever it may be. You know, it's like no, 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 no. It starts with like the heart to love people and give them what has been given to me and. I think that speaks to, I asked you what, what scripture is currently speaking to you right now. And, and you talked about Matthew. And so it's about relationships. Let's pull it up. And, and Barnett, you want to, you want to read it for us here? We have just the picture of Noah again, but uh, <laughs> go ahead and uh, 
Barnett, if if you want to read it and then Noah, let's let's just chat about it for for a few. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again, but the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last and up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. And when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have been borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do uh, what I choose with and what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. Why did you pick this? <laughs> yeah. Why is this speaking so, Um... There's like probably like, you know, a few things that have been hitting me about this. I've been meditating on it like the last couple of weeks. Um, and what hit me was, I think the first, the, like the first, the first thing that hit me was, I remember like I would read stories and books when I was a kid and like, you know, you always had like the group of the heroes and the group of the enemies. And whenever you read it, you always put yourself with the hero, right? You're always like the right hand guy. Or like you read, you read a biography and talk about war and like these guys are going to fight in war and they start naming like, you know, this many people fought and this many people died, this people lived. And I always put myself with the people who lived. I remember like one day it hit me when I was like, like that's kind of like a, a big assumption to figure out you're, you're actually the one who lives. Are you in the right place in the story? And I realized this, this story when Jesus told this parable, most people I talked to, it really ticks them off because it seems really unfair. And I'm like, yeah, of course it's unfair if you think you're the first one's hired. If you think you're the first one's hired, you're great. But maybe you're putting yourself in the wrong part of the story because he came out at like the, the said like the like was the fifth time he came out there and he found guys who did that there all day. So either they ignored him the first time, the second time, the third time, and the fourth time, or they slept in, maybe they're sleeping up a hangover. I don't know what they were doing, but they weren't there, showed up. And yet he still chose them and he brought them in. I'm like, that's where I belong in the story. I'm that guy. I'm because they asked me, why did nobody choose? Why why aren't you working? They said, because nobody hired us. Nobody wanted us. And yet he wanted them. And I'm like, yeah, that's actually where I belong. And if I think if I put myself in that group, then the story turns from being like, this is unfair to, oh my gosh, why me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why would he like why would Jesus choose me? Because the reality is. In the gospel story, Jesus is the one who's working out there from dawn till 
the, the dusk. He's the one who did all the work. He finished everything. He took our debt. He even gave us his own pay. Like he's given us everything and he invites us into it. So it changes from like, why is this not so fair to us to like a heart of gratitude? And also something I never noticed before. It's like the, that was the first thing I noticed after reading his passage. I don't know how many times that it hit me. Like I, I put my place, myself in the wrong place. And the other thing was the first group, they went in under a contract. Like he said, this is what I'm going to pay you. You're going to work. And I said, okay. And I said, okay, that's what it's going to work. Yeah. And when it came time to pay, they saw the other guys getting stuff. The other guys didn't have a contract with the master. He just simply said was, you come and work too. You come, you come, and I will give you something fair. I'll take care of you. Like, don't worry about it. I got you. And so, like, in my mind, is like one is like going off of agreement law. One is just going off of faith and trust. And the first guys, like, let's say, like the last guys you got chosen, I'm pretty sure when they received that much money for having worked like, you know, 40 minutes of really making a sweat, like, I think if I was them and I was going home, like, it's party time. Like, I'm going to be so excited. I'm going to tell everybody, dude, I only was there for an hour and this guy gave me the whole day pay. Like, this guy's awesome. Like, come on, let's go party. I got more than I even need now because it isn't. I can just imagine the joy. And yet this first group was like, why them? Why not us? How can we need to get more? And next one goes, you got what you agreed to. Like, what else do you want? Are you, are you being jealous because I'm generous? And it's like, you can kind of choose, like, what kind of relationship do you want to have with Jesus? You want a contract? I'll, I'll read my Bible, I'll go to church, I'll do all the right things, and you owe me. And then somebody who doesn't do that, like my friend Petra Charlotte, you know, he does meth, and what? He doesn't get in, and also now the Lord makes all his opportunities, gives him this place to go, and you're going to be jealous because God's grace in his life. You're like, but like, God, I never did those things. The guy's going to go, yeah, but you got what you wanted. Like, I agree to you, but this guy... He's a vessel too, and he, he gets love too. And like, it has really struck me that how quick we are to judge people and merit what we did and what we didn't do and measure, measure, not measure. And in the end, God just says, grace isn't fair. Fair is getting what you deserve. That's hell. Yeah. Don't begrudge me because I'm generous. Celebrate with them who get it. Be happy that they have the same thing you got. That's the point. Be happy with them, even the ones you don't particularly like. <laughs> Still yeah. be happy for them because they got grace. When was he's well, generous, and so like that's been really like in my heart of like just you just got to be graceful. We got to be when God gives grace to celebrate when somebody gets a car and you didn't. So what? Like he didn't steal anything from you, you know. <laughs> so what? Be happy for him. Celebrate the grace in their life because grace isn't fair. You got what you needed. So, I so that's awesome. basically why it's been like that's what it's been really doing in my heart. I love it. I think I've heard this argued to to um, promote socialism and uh, in different ways, uh, but I've also heard it explained that you know this is this also speaks about the relationship between the Israelites and and the Gentiles being included yeah. in the covenant. It's really technical and and stuff. Um, and but it's also I think it boils down to the idea that. We're unworthy servants. Even at the end of the day, I think the Gospel of Luke talks about it, how like just because you followed the instructions and did what you needed to do at the end of the day, you're still unworthy servants because you've just been 
accomplish what you've been asked to do. Look, I think you're right. It's Luke 17. I remember, I remember reading the first passage. Like, yeah. at the end of the day, you did everything a servant wanted you to do. What are you going to say? We're unworthy servants. You only do what was asked of us. You didn't do anything above that. What are you seeing, Barnett, here? Yeah, I just like the part about, um, you know, when we, sometimes it's in our story. Like, for instance, like there was a guy named Keith Stringer. He's no longer alive, but he was an alcoholic and he was delivered. Like he got prayed for and that thing just came off of him. Just like that, the, the desire. I know a few people and and there might be someone out there who who's dealing with drugs. And you're like, well, that's not my story. I've been praying. I got laid hands on, anointed, you know, delivered or, you know, whatever, you know, exercise, any of these things. And maybe that's not your story. And you're thinking like, well, why, why isn't it happened? Right. And it's just God deals with us unique in unique, different ways. And, and if, if your friend or if Keith, you know, he gets delivered, man, we should celebrate that. It's such an amazing thing, but maybe that's not, that might not be your story. Right. And, and what you're going through is going to be used as a, a testimony. That's what I've kind of learned. You know, if you're going through the hard things, it's going to be like, a testimony, you know, it's going to be an amazing testimony. It's kind of like what's going on with our church. Like my friend's church, uh, one of my good friends, Glenn, they were gifted a million dollar building. Like they were just, you know, a church in the community saw that they had God's like anointing on them. And they were like, Hey, we, we have this like million dollar facility, like really, uh, yeah, I forget what denomination are part of them. They're like, Hey, we just want to like gift this to you, like no strings attached. Like, because they didn't have a building, they're like renting something out. And I could be like, hey, like, well, God, like, how can you're not doing that for our church? Like, we've been meeting and, you know, we've met in the, a school, we've met in Boys and Girls, uh, not, yeah, Boys and Girls Club, Community Center. How come, like, you know, that didn't happen for us? Well, it's because he's doing something different with us and we're going to have an amazing testimony. And so I, that's, that's something that I think it trips up a lot of people, including myself, right? When you compare and, and see, well, why didn't that happen for me? Or how come I didn't get that car, or that building, or that marriage or relationship, you know, things of that nature. And it's, it's definitely, it comes down to like, well, do we really deserve anything? You know, it, or is it a, simply a gift? I love it. Now, speaking of testimony, I want to do some speed round questions. Just real quick, 10 second answers for Noah. Um, these may seem off topic, but it's, it's highly related to what we've been talking about today. Okay. Um, uh, scales or fur? Fur. Fur, why? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Invisibility or flight? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, flight, flight, not you flight. I got nothing. I. <laughs> and then lastly, what's more manly, beards or muscles? Beards. <laughs> Hands down, right? Hands down. Hands Dude, down. Uh, I won't say it. I'll, okay. I can't joke, but I won't say it. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. But I, I think this kind of leads into what we've been talking about and, and pointing toward tonight. Um, just the idea that it's about people, it's about loving people, it's about um, experiencing not not the idea of comparison, but the idea of rejoicing for people and what God is doing in their lives, even 
if it's not happening in my life or in, or in the lives around me, it might be happening in someone else's life and that needs to be celebrated. Um, but Barnett, you want to, uh, bring us up to speed with our, our second to last question that we're going to yeah. talk with Noah about. You know, it's kind of cool. Last week we asked Cameron about his, uh, kind of his dream or goal aspiration for Nepal. Uh, he's not currently there. He's in Hawaii because they had to leave because of COVID, but kind of the same line of thinking. What is your dream or aspiration, uh, for Slovakia? Um, so my dream aspiration would be to see, um, the Jesus is to pull people together um, in a movement of discipleship of just like just really like following him. This is what this is what it says. Like regardless of the culture, regardless of the traditions, this is what Jesus says we're supposed to be doing. Whether it's accepting or loving the poor, or the, the drug addicts, or the gypsy, whoever it is, like we just we're just gonna follow what the scripture tells us to do. Or things we have to stand against, we're just gonna follow what the scripture tells us to do. But at the same time, just being loving to remember jesus was a friend of sinners he ate with them he talked with them he knew their names birthdays stories he he knew information about these people he cared about them he loved them he died for them and see a group of people like this who are just serious about jesus they're serious about being together and they're serious about bringing the the gospel to the culture and the context of the towns and cities they're in where they'll just love like we kind of modified for our church plant the the journey one we say love we're loving our city one person at a time where they love their city each person as they come um accepting each person as they come wherever the story of baggage is and as these pockets grow that there would be this network that is be growing of just disciples is going and going and going and we see this movement of church of, of the church like at this point i'm like I still like want to plant a church but i, I want to see a movement of churches like our one church is moving together and we're just loving people. We're, we're like the the net, you know, she just talked about the kingdom of heaven. It's like a net, drag net, commercial net. It's just pulling everything through it. You know, it's picking up the bottles and the bottle cans, and the, the fishes. Everything is coming into it. Like, we're just pulling it all. And we're going to let him sort it out. We're just going to pull it and love it and care for it as it comes. And that this would grow. And that it would just turn, like it says in Ephesians, like they said about the church, that they were just turning the world upside down. That like we'd just be turning Salakia up on his head because there's a group of people who take Jesus seriously, but yet they're not jerks, you know, <laughs> not legalistic. They're still fun and they're they have parties and the open tables and they love us and they accept us and yet they love Jesus. And like there's just something about it's contagious. That's what I would love to see is a movement like that happen. This this fresh wind, this fresh air of of, of Christ is coming through in a way that people never understood and never knew him before. They pull it out of kind of like this dark depression and this dark legalistic Christianity that they're, they're rejecting and they're rejecting that when I think it's okay to reject that. They By rejecting it, they're rejecting Jesus. And I don't reject Jesus because I think he's, he's life, he's joy, he's rest. And he's something completely different than that. And that's what I want them to see. So that's what my hope is that we would see this movement happen and people just get to know who Jesus is and love him for exactly who he is. And it's to be this contagious <clears throat> virus that is spreading across the country that can't be stopped. No vaccine can stop it. You know, yeah. it's always be working that way. So that's why, that's why I mean, that's my heart. That's what I want to see. Love it. And then the, our last question is how can we, pray and come alongside you. And I, I know the first thing I have to do, it's on my, it's on my to-do list. 
Uh, it says uh, stickers for Noah. Uh, I still have to get you the journey stickers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys can like tag, <laughs> tag Luchinets. You can tag all the cars, whatever. You know, I got to send those out to you. I haven't been able to get into the community center. So uh, that's how I know I can come alongside you. But we can also pray. Um, this is the, always the point where, um, you know, I just want to hear from you. Like, how, how can we come alongside you guys and pray for you and support you and, and help you guys out in what you're doing, help you to accomplish the mission and goal and dream for Slovakia? That's an urgent question. It's a big question. So definitely I'd be praying for us. Um, we we're, we're looking for a team. Um, right now, my wife and I are primarily doing it alone. And so you can imagine just trying to trying to do this and with the tax and the enemy and all that so that happens around it when you're just trying to go at it. So definitely praying for a team, pray for protection. Um, as we're just finding ourselves on the front lines of you know, it, and it sounds so funny, like you feel like, yeah, it's a battle. I'm sitting at a I'm at a table drinking a beer, eating a squid. But at the conversations that are happening are are gospel conversations, and this is the moment where we're just the most vulnerable because we're we're going into places where the churches I would say have failed to go into so far. I'm talking to people who never sit foot in church, but they're willing to talk to me about Jesus. And so we definitely need protection um, for our whole families, for our, our children. Um, so team protection journey has been above and beyond generous to us in ways we couldn't possibly imagine. Like we're, we're, we're doing something while and we're throwing a house and you guys have helped us out with that. And we're super appreciative of it. Um, we already like got the plan set out and the guys are going to come. We get, got a time set up for that. So thank you for that. Um, this upcoming season, you're definitely praying for a few things. One is I'm, I'm going to start school again. I'm teaching for those who don't know, I guess I'm, I'm doing by by vocational ministry. So I'm teaching in school as well. So this for opportunities. Um, why I'm in the school with not only the students but fellow teachers and parents. And this is most real of them. It's not school of hard knocks. This is this is the real school. Yeah, I'm actually in a school. I'm in an elementary and high school, so and junior high. So I'm there. Um, people, most people know who I am. I go to my second year, and so the the trust has been built, the relationships have been built. This is kind of going to be the time when the conversations can really start happening. And so I'm looking forward to what the Lord could open up with that. Um, I have now, it was a few weeks ago, or like a week ago. Yeah, a week ago. I talked with, I have five guys who are interested in getting together and looking more into the, what, what Jesus actually said, what Christianity actually is according to Jesus. Like I'm, again, I'm, I'm talking to guys who are either deep, like they, they grew up in some kind of a church and they just thought it was a joke yeah. or they just read on the internet what they think church is and they think it's a joke. And so like for them, church is nothing, but, but they're willing to sit with me and listen to me, talk to them about Jesus. So I think it's a pretty big deal. These are the pagans, Jeremy, yeah. almost all of them are in, yeah. almost all of them are in. I love those guys. So, so this has been, this has been a work for a few years with these guys and I finally got enough trust with them. So just pray that the Spirit gives you wisdom and grace. Talk to them in ways they can understand that the Holy Spirit open up their eyes to, to understand who Jesus really is. Yeah. See change happen in their lives. Um, that's a that's a big deal there. And and then think of any the practical things. All I can say is practical things, but I'm not sure how care packages can work now. 
Yeah, I'm going. I didn't know I was teaching a second year of English, and so um, candy would be appreciated because I give it out while I teach English. Is the way I like keep the kids from killing me is I walk them with a handful of candy or a bag of candy and keeps them from killing me. It's like Lord of the Flies in there sometimes. Yeah, and uh, Cholula is also accepted or any kind of hot sauces. So the candy and they're rejected in our house. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I want to share. This is always the 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 bane of the uh, missionary. It's always the hard part and always the, the not fun part, but it is like half their job is to, to raise funds. And so I'm going to share with everyone how you can actually do this, how you can support Noah and Lucy Johnson and the, the mission in Slovakia right here, lovingtheworld.org. You can go here and it's got this awesome website that we have. You can click on here. You can see all these under, awesome like videos and stuff we have but uh click donate right there and look you can actually see noah on the donation page i just saw that right here oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah alicia john john lisa um and, and you can make a donation this is the easiest way you can do it click right here choose a fund you just scroll down to the johnson family mission you type like a like nine like tons of money or whatever and then add a donation make sure you know. <laughs> yeah but um you know we we do this because uh we believe in what is happening through you guys and what god is doing through you in um, a place that that i have had the pleasure of, of being at and serving and um, it's it's a place where it's full of fields, and and I don't just mean that physically, but I mean that you know uh, spiritually. And it and the harvest is there, and I think it will soon be ripe. And I think in this way, and what you're doing is is profound. And so we are fully on board, and we want to encourage the church and the people of the church to to join in that um, if they feel led, because uh, we believe in what you're doing, brother. Thank you. So, uh, Barnett, you want to close this out in prayer? Yeah. Another question is, uh, I know um, maybe this is too early to talk about, but uh, whether or not you're going to have teams come out again. Any update on that? Or, um, I mean, obviously, it's it's we we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. The the school I'm working at, they actually approached me last school year and asked me they, they want to do an English camp at the school. Um and so I think I'm gonna do one this summer coming up. <laughs> like in 2021. And so yeah, I mean I think there is opportunities. And it, it's like summer camp could be one of them or even just people coming and gathering around me in our backyard and barbecuing and eating with people and talking with people. Like the community I'm working with is primarily by bilingual and so it doesn't really completely matter now everybody speaks english but it's okay because i don't so my english has actually gotten worse over the last couple of years but um so it's always getting better slowly but um like there's just we're, we're willing to take people in who just got hard for people want to do relational ministry we have opportunities to serve so i think as far as the team could go there is a potential of actually doing a summer camp type of ministry at a school which could be serving the community letting people know who we are um which just gets created in a small town when you're just generally like just caring for people and their kids and also apart from that there'll be plenty of opportunities to be serving or the smaller community we're working with right now which i hope will be even bigger by next summer so we'll be hearing updates on that 
Let's close out in prayer. All right. Think I pray? You are, dude. Think <laughs> I pray? Whoever's been like uh, newly married can pray. How about that? Pray. Pray for me too. So. Yeah. Oh well, or but uh, yeah. <laughs> we should pray for Vanessa. I think too. So, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you're just so faithful, God. Uh, um, yeah, that you, like what Noah's saying, you just run everything, Lord. Yeah. And we just need to come in agreement with that, come in, in awareness of that, Lord. Uh, we just need to find our place, not necessarily trying to make it happen, but that you're sorting all things, Lord. I just pray that you would cover Noah, his family, his uh, son and daughter. Lord, in that community, I know they're just on the front lines. They're, they're going where church hasn't gone. And you're just doing something so unique there. And I just pray, Lord, that you just protect him, protect his rep- reputation. I know that you're going, uh, like the enemy just wants to stir things up. And so I just pray that you would like, yeah, that the enemy just wouldn't be able to touch him or his family. Lord, I pray for provision for them, for their health, their, um, for the remodel going on, for their marriage, all aspects, Lord, all the moving pieces that you would cover them, Lord, and just give them grace, Lord, and favor in the season, Lord, as he's stepping out and, and doing this. And we thank you for the trust that's been made with the school, and we just pray for favor there and just for uh, just a harvest, Lord. Uh, like he was saying, his vision for Salaki, that there would just be um, kind of these cell groups or like this net, Lord, that's just going to reach every person there, Lord, because I know there's a lot of people there that will never step foot in a church, Lord, and so that you you would just grow these kind of cell groups and groups of people that are just disciples of love, that, that they truly want to embody and, and to go and be the heart of, of the Father, Lord. So I just pray that you'd be with them and be with us and during these times and that you would to see a glorious church come from glory to glory. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Um, be blessed, and may God be with you in all your endeavors. We love you, and can't wait to see you soon. Don't forget um, that we've got church in the park coming up, um, hopefully very soon, um, perhaps even this weekend. So stay tuned for more information on that and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, everybody.